1: What a pleasure to be joined today on the mark with one of the greatest baseball players of all time, a guy that has been an inspiration for so many, and has been up, has been down, back up again, and inspiring all over the place. Daryl Strawberry taking time out as the baseball season's underway. Daryl, I saw you, uh, you and your your buddy Doc Gooden were back at City Field for opening day, and. Having a good time, fans of course are always loving you. That that will never end. Met fans will uh, they're they're always going to want to see you guys together.
2: Of course, that will never end, and and it's good to be back together as you know as friends. And it's, that's important. Um, you know, life is too short. Um, things happen, and you just kind of get. Gotta, you need to get to the place as as people inside and ask for forgiveness, and, and just really move on, move forward, and just you know hope each other doing well. You know. And, just kind of lift each other up I think that's the most important thing is just being able to encourage each other about life and, and walking through this life here
1: you know and i I watched uh, the documentary that that you guys uh, did where you were sitting in the diner talking and was moved by it and I saw that you you spoke out last year you know you were concerned about your friend and then you know reading about it he, he was deeply hurt that you were you know you were concerned about him. And then you guys come back together. I thought it was just, just reading everything, Daryl, and, and maybe you can explain it a little bit further. But it was basically like you were, you were scared for your friend and you accidentally not on purpose, purpose hurt him, and then you guys ended up having a pretty deep discussion about it. So I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but all that seems like a win in the end.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is a win in the end. You know what? And people should be concerned about their friends. You know, We all should be concerned about our friends. When you love somebody, you care for somebody, you've been through a lot together. And, you know our baseball careers; we played a lot of games, we won a lot of games together, and you know it's just just the love, you know, just the love that I had, and I was worried, and you know nothing personal, you know, maybe the timing was wrong, and maybe I should have just paused before I said some things, and you know I regret some of you know the way I went about it, and, and I just I just needed to ask you know for forgiveness, for, you know, so I can be healed inside, and he could be healed inside, and that's what it's really all about when you when you. Truly consider yourself as friends with
1: people right that's the thing right you you don't sometimes friends won't tell friends actually what they're concerned about that's not actually being a great friend and yeah okay maybe you didn't go about it in the perfect way but your heart was in the right place and i just think it's an important message hey man if you care about somebody saying something that might hurt them but could have a better ending is the way to go about things
2: yeah that's the most important thing is, is having having a better ending is, is the most important thing mark you know i we're of of friends, and, and we we do care about each other. And we always will, and you know, no one wants to hurt anyone. And we just want to see that you know the best for for each other, and, and that's what it's all about, you know. And being able to sit down, I mean, it'd be more coming out uh, on on the sit down because it was you know done and you know, recorded on. It's, it's going to be on film, you know. A good friend of ours who uh Amy Amy Hart, who got us together, and felt like we just needed to get back together, so more be coming out on that story.
1: Yeah, I, I keep on hearing about Amy Hart. Who, who is Amy Hart to you, Daryl?
2: Amy Hart's a dear friend. She's married to like, one of my best friends, who who's a minor league owner who owns a couple teams, uh, Richmond team and the Omaha team. Um, he's in New York, and they're, they're just dear friends of ours, and I've known them a long time. So, And they're just wonderful people and just kind of trusted. You know, you, you, you have
1: people that you know that you can trust that would do the right thing that's awesome so uh you know just thinking one more with you and doc i'm looking back at at, at both of your careers and you guys of course won a world series with the mets in 86 and then you win another one with the yankees together and of course you won a a third with the yankees as well which means the most to you those of those three because i mean you were obviously a better player when you were younger but you went through your whole journey and then you're back with new york
2: well, I think 86 was, you know, was the one we captured, you know, and when you look at that year and you look at the team and you look how we dominated that year. We went into spring training after losing in 85, and David Johnson just basically said, we're going to dominate this year. 86, first day of spring training, and we just kind of looked around at each other, and, and we realized that, you know what, it was our, our time, and we had a we had a great run. We just we came out the gates, and we never looked back, and, you know, we had... Had some tough series. Now we had to go through Houston, and then we had to come back from Boston in that World Series. Uh, but we did. We finished and we completed that year, and it was just a remarkable year for us.
1: See, it's it's weird for me because you know I'm I'm in my early 40s, here, Daryl, and so when I was 11 years old in in 1984, growing up in Chicago. And you guys came into Wrigley Field in August, and the Cubs miraculously uh, swept you guys and ended up going to the playoffs that year. And I always had this. You know, I hated the Mets. I hated that team. You guys were cocky and you were good and all of it. But like looking back now, I love that team. Like I, the, the, looking at you, it's it's weird because I feel like a lot of guy, a lot of people are like me who didn't like the Mets, but like looking back at it, like really appreciated just the charisma and the talent that you guys had.
2: Yeah, well, see, that's what happens. You know, people don't appreciate it when they see it, but you know, after years of years gone by, you look back and say, "Wow." These guys were pretty good. They had they had a pretty good ball club. And you don't see many ball clubs like that anymore, you know, where they, like, do their lineup. They got pretty good players. You got Dykstra leading off, Backman. I mean, Backman and Dykstra at the top of the order, Hernandez, Carter, myself, and, you know, just on and on with players. You know, Mookie Wilson and, you know, Kevin Mitchell and the great pitching staff we had. You know, it was just an incredible team. You know, everybody hated us because of, you know, we played in New York and you had, we had a good Little hot heads, you know. We had little <laughs> hot heads on ourselves, you know. where we had to be challenged all the time, and we didn't like that. So, but we were we were a team. We we really cared about each other. We really protected each other.
1: And I'll say to this day, too, as as far as Doc in his prime, at the top of his career, I've I've never seen a better pitcher. He was that dominant you could not hit nobody pitch, right.
2: Nobody was better. They they all talk about all these other guys, but when Doc came in at nineteen and twenty. Those two years, those two back-to-back years, I've never seen nothing like that. I, I just, it, it, you have to see the highlights of him performing. I mean, he's going to get the best hitters in baseball. You know, guys would come up limping. You know, when they knew they were stuck coming into Shea Stadium and they were going to face him, they did not want that four-night punch out. You know, they just didn't want it because they knew it was it was it was very difficult for I used to get bored sometimes in outfield because he didn't let anybody (laughs) hit the ball.
1: Yeah, yeah my, my, my favorite player growing up was, was Sean Dunstan, and he was taken number one overall in the draft that Gooden came out, and then, you know, Sean would be up at the plate, and Doc would throw him a curveball about 56 feet, and he'd swing at it, I don't know, 90% of the time, because he thought that thing was going 99 right past him.
2: It was painful. Yeah, didn't have John
1: didn't have a clue. <laughs> he didn't. He, <laughs> <laughs> he, very, he very much did not. Oh, that, that was tough. Okay. Hey, uh, let, let, me, let me ask you about uh, the Hall of Fame real quickly because um, I'm just curious how you look at it as far as guys who have perhaps or have used performance-enhancing drugs. Do you, do you think that those guys uh, – I'm not even going to name any of the names. We all know the names. Do you think that they belong in the Hall if their, their stats are Hall of Fame worthy?
2: I think they do, yes, because they're a baseball player, and um, it's not going to change some of those guys. It might have changed a few guys, but it's not going to change those guys that were superstars that were already at the highest level of performance, um, performing in the game. They had done it for years, and you know, I just think it's it's sad. You know, it's sad that you know everybody writes them off. But you know what, everybody, you know, everybody's done something. There's not there's not one perfect person in the whole thing, so. Um, you don't you should never look at other players and say well you did this and well What about your time of year? What did you do? They, the, the players wasn't around they couldn't see what you did so you know it's a game of sports and yeah It's always been some type of you know drugs amphetamines or all, some some type of steroids or whatever It's always been something in the game and we need to you know We need to we need to look at ourselves as players and, and realize and say you know we're all guilty of something
1: Yep, yep, I mean I, you, you go back through times. Guys did a million different things to get ready to play. Was was that, uh, you know, look, looking back on it, was that one of the harder things as far as just like being ready every day to play when you're that talented? And like you know what, I don't, I can be sixty percent of myself right now, and I can still probably get a couple knocks.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be days like that. You know, every day is not going to be a great day. You're talking about waking up and playing 162 ball games and and going six months out of the year and spring training with that, six, seven months, eight months, you know, uh, playoffs, you know. So you have a long stretch of a lot of work going that has to go going through you, and you're going to be tired and you need need something to get you up to boost you and keep you going, and, you know, some motivation factors that has to go out there. And, you know, it's, it's very difficult. It's more difficult than just playing, um, you know, playing the NBA or playing uh, NFL, you know, it's a, it's a lot different when you gotta get to that grind where you gotta play every every single day,
1: and it's more and not just the physical, but it's handling the failure every day, right? I mean, you go up, you go over, right? Front, and how do you how do you let that go?
2: Well, you just gotta let it go because tomorrow's a new day, and it is failure, you know. You and I've always looked at it: um, if I can accept the failure, then I can accept succeeding, you know. And sometimes we want to just you know be successful all the time, but we don't want to fail. And baseball, you're going to fail a lot. You're going to have some, you know, two for 30s. There's going to be some tough times, and you're going to have to grind it out, and you're going to have to figure it out. And, and then one time you get that one little hit, and then all of a sudden that one little hit just sparks you and, and, and gives you a leap and leap you back into where you're supposed to be.
1: And I, and I think people can relate to it, even those who did not play professional baseball. Like everybody has like their two for 30s in their life, right? And you do a ton of speaking, Darrell. I mean, you're out all the time, and people want to, you know, hear your story and, and hear how you've – Come back and are and are still approaching life. I, I I'm I'm curious. Like when you're going into a talk, what's the main thing, if there is a main thing, or the one thing that you want people walking out of that room after you're done to kind of sort of wrap their head around and 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 feel from you that you you want to convey.
2: Well, I, I want them to be able to know that life, their life matters no matter what has happened um, in our lives. Because we're all gonna find some storms in life and go through some very difficult times and some challenges in life. If you're living long enough here, you're going to go through that. You're going to face that. And, and, and I try to convey to them the purpose, you know, the purpose of our life. We we're created for a great purpose. And it's not just about playing sports. It's not about just being a doctor. being. It's about, you know, who can I make a difference? Who, who can I go back and help? my experiences in life who can i go back and help and and that's the purpose of all our lives you know to be able to help someone else and encourage someone else and tell them you know what i've been through some things and you can get over them and and that's what is important when i go out and speak to people
1: and you're working with red zone right now which uh is it's this is an interesting campaign that you're about which is you know people want to get there as fast as you can but red zone is an app where you not only you can get to where you're going but you can get there in the safest way possible, a- avoiding you know, cr- yeah. crime and stuff. It's a danger that is that is out there. That's it's pretty interesting, and I, I, it's, it seems like it's taken off.
2: Yeah, it is. Red Zone, Red Zone Map is. It's a, it's a good app. You know, it's just like, you know, they have a lot of apps out there, and they have a lot of GPSs out there. But, you know, Red Zone, um, you know, you, you can get it on your iPhone or Android or smartphone, and, you know, it guides travelers, you know, to, uh, to their destination, helping them avoid. Uh, high crime rate and and that's good to be able to understand because some people do get lost and they make their own turn and they end up in an area where they have no idea um, you know what's going on there. And, and that's the good thing about red zone it it alerts you that you're in you're in a high crime area and so people can be able to make the right turns and go in a different direction. Now, that's very important you know that people get a hold of something like uh, Red Zone map for themselves and and be able to you know find their way around because a lot of people travel and go to I mean this is like in fourteen you know fourteen hundred um, local states and uh, national and global you know sources you know can when you go out of the country you can have it on, the app on your phone and you can be able to use it because there's crime everywhere and, and we need to be always be aware of that.
1: Does a Daryl Strawberry like to take a nice long road trip every now and then get in the car and just go is that or is that too? Uh... I, I'd rather. Hey, I I appreciate that, but I'd rather be on a plane. Get me there as quick as possible.
2: <laughs> What's well, the difference? You get there on a plane, and you go to a city, and you rent a car. Yeah. You know, and then you need you need a you need you need a map. So red zone to be your map to direct you yeah. to get there safely. I mean, that's I think that's the real key of you know reducing you know reducing yourself from um, high crime areas and, and places that people can get lost in. You know, you want to be able to turn you want to be able to turn your the red zone into green zone, you know the safety, safety zones for people and I think that's real important
1: hey uh let, let me go back real quick before we get out of here to uh, a young Daryl Strawberry childhood you're, you're growing up in California in in the city Crenshaw High School you're six you, I, I'm, I'm assuming you you grew fairly early so you're six six yet you become a baseball player how did that happen because that that's not normal
2: No, it's not normal. I mean, I became a a basketball player, too. I was a basketball Christian high. uh, But baseball was my first love. Me and Eric Davis and Chris Brown, we all grew up together. And we all played baseball. We played Little League against each other. And then we played on the same teams um, growing up in the County Mac League. And we just fell in love with baseball. Me and Eric became best friends. And we just believed that we were going to be great baseball players. We wanted to play at the major league level. And that's how it really happened.
1: That's awesome. Do you, uh, as far as getting more African Americans playing the game, does it does it bother you that the numbers are as low as they are?
2: Yeah, it has And, You know, I, I really don't. I really don't get involved in baseball and watch it. You know, because you don't see um, African Americans playing like they used to play, like we played. I think what what's happened is, and it's unfair to the young kids in the inner city. What what's happened to them, and they won't build academies and stuff there. Uh, for them, you know, like they built over in the Dominican, uh, nothing personal, but why not build some here for our kids here in the inner cities and allow them to play baseball too? I, I think it would be great, but I, it's very disappointing that they haven't done that. They haven't looked at that in, in different cities and where they can build that and, and build African Americans back to playing baseball.
1: Yeah, it uh, you know it's it just from my perspective. You go to the park and you see the fans, and it, it's just so there's a lot of pe- a lot of white people. I mean, and I, I feel like if if I if I'm a, a black guy and I'm looking out there and I, and I don't see any black players at some point, that's going to have an impact on me.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it does. You know, it does. And you know, like I said, they they have to go back to the drawing board. You got to start from the bottom and go back to the drawing board, and you know, with the. MLB office and, and look at look at some of the great African American players that played and you know maybe use them in different cities you know to revamp you know the uh, little league ballparks and get kids out there and get them to play in baseball again.
1: Daryl Strawberry, pleasure to talk to you. Congrats on all your success. Clean and sober for how, how long now?
2: So fourteen years now.
1: Fourteen years. How's, how's that feel? That's that's yeah. that's big time.
2: Yeah, well, you know, you you just turn your life over to God and you, you just walk a different way and, and you, you change everything about yourself. And everybody's not going to like it. Everybody's not going to be happy with you, but you're not here to make everybody else happy. You're here to make yourself happy.
1: Well, keep doing what you're doing, Daryl. I'm sure you're you're inspiring a ton of people out there, and you're you're out all the time. And I, I'm sure you're getting a ton of that that love back. It probably it probably feels good to be have that impact. I would assume.
2: Yeah, it is, because people are wonderful, you know. you When you travel around the country and you empower people and you speak and, you know, people, you meet so me and my manager, John, we meet so many people and we love people and we care about people and people are hurting. It's a time in, in, in America where people are hurting and young kids are dying from opiates and heroin addiction, you know, and we try to go across the country to uh, help young people and, and save their life and put them in treatment and, and, and hopefully get them well and get them, on the right track so they can understand that their life do matters.
1: If you were going to, uh, last one here, if you, if you were going to boil it down to like what m- most people who come up to you and say and ask, what, what, would, what, what is there like a one question or one thing that they want you to know mostly?
2: Yeah, I, I think um, the pain, people want to get over the pain in their life. Yeah. Um, I think more than anything because, you know, we can all look good on the outside mark, but there's a lot of people that has a lot of pain and and um, from childhood and really uh, I try to explain to them forgiveness forgiveness is not for the person who's damaged you who's done something to you forgiveness is for you so you can heal.
1: Yeah, you got. I I was reading your quotes, man. You getting to the hurt is a is a huge huge thing for people. You you got to acknowledge it and have some form of yeah. processing. I mean that's it. It's got to be. Yeah.
2: yeah. That's, uh, the, that's the key right there,
1: getting, getting down to the pain that I'm in. Yep, yep. All right. Hey, Daryl, appreciate you, and great work with Red Zone and taking time today, and it was, it was truly a pleasure to be able to talk to you.
2: All right, thanks, Mark. Appreciate it.
0: Saving money on everything for your next project at Menards. It doesn't matter what job you're up against. Works cordless power tools and lawn equipment have the power for you to get the job done faster and easier. The PowerShare 20-volt batteries run longer on a single charge, and they can be used with other tools. Check out Menards' entire selection of Works cordless power tools and lawn equipment. Plus the weekly flyer today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards.